Good afternoon, everybody. It is a cold and wet and dark one outside, but nonetheless, good afternoon. This is Joe Cunningham here on the Joe Cunningham Show News Talk 96.5 KPEL. 232-1542 if you want to call in, be part of the conversation. You can go to the KPEL app chat as well. Leave a message, particularly as, you know, with our question of the day up on Facebook. I'm starting to do those again. I'm trying to remember myself. There's Okay, so back-end stuff, you guys may not care about. I don't know, but there's so much stuff that we do in terms of getting the writing and stuff for the website, getting everything ready for for you guys to be aware of. I'm making sure to send out a live alert on the app so people who may not be near a terrestrial radio can still listen in through the app. If you're listening through the app, thank you guys. That's awesome. So I send out an alert for that. I want to get you guys engaged with the Facebook page. If you go to uh, KPEL News on Facebook, Question of the day, uh, who do you want to see run in the Republican primary? And that, that's going to get me to the news here in a sec. Uh, but there's just so much. I, I And I got tied up with that. I got tied up in uh, a separate conversation on the other side of the building. It was just a lot going on. So uh, if I sound scatterbrained, I'm sorry. And I'm sorry if you were planning to go to Substack and look up the show notes. Uh, the show notes are not there today. I promise they will be there tomorrow. But I want to start, I've, I've been thinking all day about this one. Last night, the news broke that Nikki Haley is going to, two weeks from today, make her announcement, jump into the Republican primary for president. And I have a lot of friends in the conservative movement who are like, what's the point? It's going to come down to Ron DeSantis. It's going to be Donald Trump. It's going to be those two going at each other. They're already going at each other. La, 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 la. Why anybody else jump in? Most of you listening by now know my inclinations toward Donald Trump. The people who read Red State daily know my inclinations toward Donald Trump. I've had people who have reached out to Red State because they wanted me fired because I did not always support Donald Trump. When he was president, there were things he did that I approved of, that I wrote approvingly of, that I said was a good thing. There were things he said or did that I didn't like, and I was I wrote about it. I was free to write about it, free to share my opinions on it. On the left and the right, there's always going to be a faction of people where if you don't agree with them 100%, they want you silenced. I've talked about bubbles before, and we often get stuck in our bubbles. I try to expand the bubbles. I, I try to read a lot of different things. I cite left-wing media outlets so that, one, you guys don't have to go read them because it can be painful to try to navigate the bias, but two, because there are different perspectives that I want to bring out. As part of what I do is I go through all the news and their analysis, and then I provide you my analysis, my take on all that. I'm not here to affirm anybody's beliefs. I'm not here to make anybody feel better about their choices. I'm also not here to, frankly, piss y'all off. I'm here to give you my the news of the day and my take on it. And there have been folks on the right, people who've sent messages to the app chat here saying they don't want to listen to me anymore because I, I didn't vote for Trump or anything like that. The right has a contingent of people who don't want opposing voices within their ranks. The left is a lot more uniform, though, than the right. A lot of people like to paint the whole GOP, the whole conservative base, 
as a far right wing base. They're all in on Trump, everything like that. I mentioned that yesterday. The bulwark says uh, in a poll that shows that Ron DeSantis is beating Trump. The bulwarks takeaway is there's still 29 percent of GOP voters who want Trump. And that's a danger for the party, this, that and the other. The GOP is a lot more factionalized. I don't want to say factionalized. That's not quite it. But there's a lot more diversity in thought among the conservative base. For example, you can be a pro-choice Republican. You can be a pro-LGBT Republican. You can be a Republican that is socially conservative and fiscally liberal. Or you can be a Republican that is socially liberal and fiscally conservative. There is room for diversity of thought. On the left... There's a lot less diversity. They don't have big tent politics in the left much anymore. You can't be a pro-life Democrat. John Bell Edwards will never have a national Democratic profile because he signed pro-life legislation. He has said that he supports. Uh, I mean, he, he, he's, he's called himself uh, again. He said he's against abortion. He said that before. Whether or not he actually believes is a whole other thing, but he said it before. So he won't be allowed to really have a national profile with the Democratic Party. You can't be a fiscally conservative Democrat. You cannot be a Democrat who's opposed to spending big on entitlements and things like that. It's really hard to be a pro-cop Democrat. Eric Adams in New York, for example, is already saying the same talking points on race about the Tyree Nichols stuff. He can't be as pro-cop as he was, despite the fact that he was a cop. Uh, Valerie, uh, what's her name, in Florida, ran against against Marco Rubio for Senate in 2022. She was a cop. She can't be pro-cop right now because that's where her party is. There's a lot less diversity of thought. In the Democratic Party, amongst the progressives, there are moderate progressives, but that's just because they talk a moderate game. Let's face it, when the when the far left calls Nancy Pelosi and her group moderate Democrats, what they're saying is they're not aggressive enough in their progressiveness. But there's a lot more flexibility among the right. And that's where it comes down. That's where I want to bring in the Nikki Haley discussion. A lot of people are saying Nikki Haley doesn't need to run. We're going to have Trump versus DeSantis. That's it. And I disagree. I don't want to see another 15-person primary like we saw in 2016. Not by any stretch of the imagination. But I don't want to see something that's preordained. I would rather see ideas. I would rather see competing narratives. I would rather see different people and different ideas and different backgrounds come in and show the diversity of thought in the GOP. I want Nikki Haley to run. Nikki Haley has a fantastic background. Her backstory is phenomenal. It is a true American success story. Her parents are immigrants to America. She fought hard, got educated, became a CPA, jumped from being a CPA to the legislature, jumped from the legislature to the inner circle of the former governor, uh, Mark Sanford. This was before the Appalachian Trail hike. 
went from working with uh, Mark Sanford to becoming governor of South Carolina, went from becoming governor of South Carolina to being a Republican governor of South Carolina, who during one of the state's most tragic moments worked in a bipartisan manner to bring the Confederate flag down from South Carolina's capital. Would never have expected a Republican governor to do that, but she did. A lot of folks don't like that about her, but she did it. She went on during the Republican primary. She was critical of Donald Trump. She was, politely so, critical of some of the things he said and did. And he fired back at her, and she took none of it. And Donald Trump respected her, and so Donald Trump picked her to be U.N. ambassador. When she was U.N. ambassador, she represented America very well on that stage, calling out the blatant hypocrisy of having nations like Venezuela and China and some of and Iran being on the Human Rights Council in the United Nations, places that are authoritarian regimes, places that do not respect human rights. I mean, for God's sake, there are concentration camps in China, and yet they get hailed as some place that's magical and wonderful and full of human rights, and we're not because we're American, we suck, and she fought against that. But she wasn't always pro-Trump and has, in fact, been a little critical of Trump since she left the Trump administration. And so there are people on the right who don't want her to run. I say letter, her background, her ideas. She brought transparency to South Carolina. Frankly, I would love to see transparency brought to Louisiana. The very thing she did as governor, forcing through transparency in South Carolina through their legislature, is something we should mirror in this state. She fought for that. She did it. She broke a lot of the good old boy network of South Carolina in order to bring that transparency there. Imagine if we had somebody who actually fought for that in Baton Rouge. It'd be an entirely different story. But as somebody whose own political side has demanded that he shut up and he'd go away and he'd be fired from Red State or whatever, I'm not going to listen to your radio show, Joe, that sort of thing. As somebody who's been there, I understand what it's like for your own side to not want to hear from you. And frankly, I think that's BS. We need more voices speaking out, sharing ideas on our side. I want Nikki Haley to run for president. I don't think she has a snowball's chance in hell, but I want her to run. I want her to be up on that stage. I want her to be there going toe to toe with these other candidates. I want her sharing her story, sharing her ideas, sharing her vision for America. We need more of that, not less. And that's where I want to see us go. That's where I want to see conservatives go. I want to see conservatives embracing more ideas, not necessarily saying we need to adopt all these ideas, but embrace the idea of ideas. Embrace the idea of healthy debate amongst our own side before we even talk about that as people there, there have been people who have legitimately said, why are you always attacking Trump? Why are you always attacking Republicans? Why are you always this critical of Republicans? Because I want the conservative movement at the end of the day to make itself better. Because we cannot beat the Democrats if we cannot make ourselves better. So for the people who have said there's no point in Nikki Haley running, I disagree. I want there to be more ideas. I want there to be more Republicans up on that stage. Not 15, not 20, anything like that but a solid, healthy number of different Republicans, different ideas. That's what I want to see.
Anyway, let's go ahead and take the break. I ran a little long there. 232-1542 if you want to be part of the conversation. You can also reach out through the KPL app. We will be back in a moment right here on the Joe Cunningham Show News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542 if you want to be part of the conversation. By the way, I just need to real quick throw out a shout out to my friend Kira Davis. You you heard the interview on Dan Bongino's show. Kira is actually uh, one of my colleagues at Red State, and she is phenomenal. She has a book out, Drawing Lines, uh, Why Conservatives Must Begin to Battle Fiercely in the Arena of Ideas. It's available on Amazon. I highly recommend you go and purchase the book. Uh, Kira, like I said, phenomenal writer, phenomenal voice for the conservative movement, uh, talked about perspectives in the last uh, in the last segment, uh, perspective and ideas. Um, a conservative black woman who is able to achieve the high profile she has without being a grifter like some are is is fairly unique out there. And I, I really think that if you've listened to Kara fill in for Dan, if you've listened to her interviews on uh, Dan's show. You know that she is legit. I know from working personally with her for the last several years that she is is just phenomenal. Anyway, 232-1542, if you want to be part of the conversation, send a message to the KPL app chat, whichever you'd like. Um, going back to the Nikki Haley thing, you know, DeSantis hasn't declared yet. Um, I want to get in in the next segment. I want to get into DeSantis's big win uh, against College Board, the AP uh, African-American study stuff. I want to get into that in the next segment. Uh, you know, DeSantis hasn't declared. Mike Pompeo hasn't declared. Mike Pence hasn't declared. Tim Scott now sounds like he might be jumping in as well. Uh, these are all vastly different people with vastly different ideas. A lot of people don't remember, but Ron DeSantis, before he became governor of... Florida, he was a congressman from Florida and a very conservative one at that same uh, same congressional class as Jeff Landry. Um, very conservative, but he has been a great warrior on the ideas front. Uh, Mike Pompeo was kind of more of that traditional classic neocon, which I know is kind of a bad word amongst a lot of the conservative base right now. But because of his time, uh, in the Trump administration in particular, but also his time in Congress, you know, his time in D.C., he has a very good perspective on the intelligence community. Uh, he was the head of it, uh, but he's got a unique perspective on the intelligence community. He's got a unique perspective on international affairs. Those are things that we are having to deal with right now. Uh, Mike Pence is, I mean, he may not be your favorite guy, but he is a stalwart religious warrior. And those kind of ideas are things that we do need, those fights are, are fights we still need to have. Tim Scott, another true American success story, another guy you just love to have on that stage talking about these ideas. The Republican Party has a diverse cast for the GOP primary. Everybody who's being talked about is vastly different. It's not just shades of progressive. It's shades of ideas. We need more of that. And we should continue to fight for more of that within the conservative movement. 
All right, I'm going to take this break. We will be back after our bottom of the hour news right here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542 if you want to be part of the conversation. So Ron DeSantis has claimed another victory today. And I don't want to go through the whole critical race theory, super woke stuff. But I do want to, from the kind of educational standpoint, tell you why it's it's pretty important what happened today. College Board has conceded, and they have taken a lot of the critical race theory stuff out of the course framework for AP African American Studies. So College Board, which is the entity that's over the uh, the courses for advanced placement classes, AP classes, a lot of your kids probably take those. Uh, College Board is the organization behind that. They have tight controls over it. They are test driving a course at about, I think, 60 schools this year. Uh, that course is AP African American Studies. The first three units of that course under the original course framework, which we saw it was leaked, uh, the first three units are basically uh, a deeper dive into African-American history, starting from the African kingdoms in Africa, the African city-states, the slave trade, and then coming into United States history and African-American history within the United States. And it carries on for, for three uh, units. It is a good, deeper dive into African-American history. The problem was with the fourth unit. The fourth unit was a sociological study of uh, modern African-American society, culture, academic thought, theory, that sort of thing. It it was very sociological. And and I am somebody who has, you know, I, I double majored in journalism and sociology, which, again, how am I conservative? But anyway, that's a discussion for another day. But uh, I, I loved sociology. I love studying sociology. I love studying how people interact. I think that's a huge part of kind of understanding the political landscape as well. And so I, I would love to see in our social sciences classes from, uh, from AP, from College Board, I would love to see more sociological theory and, and discussion. The problem is the, the required source material for that unit came heavily from critical race theorists and – a lot of black writers who wrote from the perspective of systemic racism is real and it is keeping our country down and this country is terrible, that sort of thing. The sources, the source material itself did not necessarily say that as outwardly, but these are writers who have woven that into most of their writing. And it did raise a lot of red flags. So Ron DeSantis saying that it violated the new laws regarding what can be taught in the classroom with regards to critical race theory uh, Ron DeSantis banned it from the state of Florida, and it raised a big uh, fuss. You know, the, the media and the left attacking Ron DeSantis. He doesn't want them to teach African-American history, uh, which is nonsense because the basics of African-American history are already taught via the standards that are required to be taught in Florida classrooms. And it's not like you can just ignore those standards because Florida, even though they do their standardized testing a little bit differently, Florida still requires standardized testing. Here's the issue. College Board released 
the college, the, the, the course framework today. And a lot of that controversial source material is now gone. They have taken the critical race theory elements out of it. Per the New York Times, the College Board purged the names of many black writers and scholars associated with critical race theory, the queer experience, and black feminism. It ushered out some politically fraught topics like Black Lives Matter from the formal curriculum. It added something new. Black conservatism is now offered as an idea for a research project. When it announced the AP course in August, the College Board clearly believed it was providing a class whose time had come, and it was celebrated by eminent scholars like Henry Louis Gates Jr. of Harvard as an affirmation of the importance of the African-American studies. But the course, which is meant to be for all students of diverse backgrounds, quickly ran into a political buzzsaw after an early draft leaked to conservative publications like the Florida Standard and National Review. David Coleman, the head of the College Board, said in an interview that the changes were made for pedagogical reasons not to bow to political pressure. At College Board, Coleman said, we can't look to statements of political leaders. The changes, he said, came from the input of professors and longstanding AP principles. That's P-L-E-S, not P-A-L-S. So basic AP ideas. He said that during the initial test test of the course this school year, the board received feedback that the secondary, more theoretical sources were, quote, quite dense, and that students connected more with primary sources, which he said have always been the foundation of AP courses, which is absolutely correct. There's a certain amount of CYA in that statement from David Coleman. However, it was a pedagogical nightmare. It was a nightmare in terms of how it would be taught. See, the original course framework of AP African-American studies, that fourth unit defied what AP normally does. AP gets students who are already advanced, gets them on the track to really be ready to tackle college. But part of that experience is to teach kids to think critically especially the social sciences classes, the histories and the like. A big portion of the AP test for U.S. history, European history, all of that, are critical thinking essays where you have to take evidence and you have to argue one way or another. And you cannot do that if you're being taught to think just one way and you're only reading sources from one perspective and you're given no real opportunity to view the other side of that argument. AP African-American Studies, as the course framework is right now, I would think would be a fun class in high school. The course framework there offers a deeper dive both into black history and to black theory, black academia, to some of these ideas. How it was before only took students in one direction. That's problematic. It leaned heavily with no alternative viewpoints, so students at the end of the class couldn't really think critically. They could only think the way the writers they were reading told them to think. There was no opposing viewpoint. You have an Ibram X. Kendi article in there as a required source, but you don't have anything from a black conservative writer like, say, Thomas Sewell, who wrote not just on economics but also on being a black conservative and issues in the black community. You need both of those perspectives. You need the left and the right in these sorts of studies, in these sorts of perspectives. It was originally designed to have led students to a conclusion aligned with those writers. 
The overhaul now appears to be more open-ended, allowing students to draw their own conclusions and have a healthy and honest debate on the material rather than be taught those perspectives only. I'll go back and say it again. I am fully on board with more sociological teaching in the classroom. I think we really do need it. If we have more sociological teaching in the classroom, we understand how people interact with each other. It opens up discourse in a whole new way amongst our students. And yes, we do need to understand the struggles of the black person even today. We do need to understand the struggles of being black in America even today because there are still problems. And we also need to understand how we got there. But there's no law in Florida that says you can't teach that. There's a law in Florida that says you can't tell them, you can't tell students, you can't teach them to hate their country and everything about it because of systemic racism. That's the underlying idea behind that law. But to teach kids, give them a more in-depth study into the problems that were and are and will remain in the United States without drastic change is a good idea. Not just for black students, but for white students as well, for Hispanic students, for Asian American students. All these diverse groups of students need to understand more about each other because we are rapidly closing ourselves off as a society rather than growing. Politically, this is just another on Ron DeSantis's throne of skulls because he's fighting these cultural battles right now in his own state. So he is building his resume. If he decides to run for president, you now have this track record of what he's done as governor in Florida. Now he's going to take those ideas and he's going to craft them into a national platform. And like I said yesterday, the biggest challenge for Ron DeSantis is going to be, how do I take what is popular in Florida and make it more appealing to maybe less conservative parts of the country? And he can go back and he can say, I took what they were trying to dictate to your kids, how they were trying to teach your kids that there's always that there's perpetual victims and perpetual oppressors. And I showed them there was another way. And I opened up teaching to the idea that America is good and that we have made a lot of accomplishments and there's still more fighting to be done. But I have fought this woke curriculum because I can I'm telling you study after study and poll after poll and anecdotal data after anecdotal data shows that people are far less open to this woke ideology being forced upon them than the Democrats and the progressives would lead you to think. Ron DeSantis has a resume. Now he's got to take it and turn it into a national platform. Can he do it? Can he tell some of those more moderate Republicans, some of those independents, some people in the black community and Hispanic community and others? Can he say what I have done? I have done to make everybody better. And I will do that for you, not just in Florida, but in every state in this country. And if he can pull that off, he very well could be the next president of the United States. But it's not a guarantee. 232-1542, if you want to be part of the conversation, we're going to send a message through the KPL app. We'll take our last break of the day. When we come back, there is community outrage over the possible location of a new jail in Lafayette. Let's talk about that 
and more here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542. If you want to be part of the program, uh, somebody sent a message uh, a little while ago. Uh, this was over Facebook, and you can send me a message through Facebook as well. If you go to facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show, you can send a message to me through there as well. Um, what's the difference in Nikki Haley jumping in and it being a good thing versus Billy Nungesser jumping in and it being a bad thing, talking about the governor's race? Uh, the difference is the ideas aspect of it. Um, Billy Nungesser was teeing up a run to basically say, I don't need the conservatives. I can win all the moderates and get Democrats to my side. That wasn't necessarily going to be an ideas driven thing. That was going to be a voter collection effort. It's kind of the same as Sharon Hewitt saying, uh, we're going to, uh, we're, we're going to be a data driven campaign, which means we're going to go out and find where people will vote for us. Uh, Jeff Landry is going to be running on ideas. I think John Schroeder will run on ideas as well, uh, but they are going to be coming at it from completely different perspectives. Jeff Landry is going to be he's the ideological attorney general. He's been fighting a lot of political and cultural battles. John Schroeder is going to be fighting on fiscal battles. Both are things that, that I think Louisiana really does need to address. So if a candidate jumps in, I think Richard Nelson's a good example. Uh, Richard Nelson, I think, has some ideas and can bring a lot of ideas to the table. I'm, I'm excited to see what he's going to do. But I don't think anybody should jump in for the sake of jumping in. I think you need a reason to jump in. I think you need to bring something new and, and some different perspective to the table. But anyway, uh, like I said, if you want to reach out, send a message, ask whatever question you want to, that that's fine. I would love to hear uh, your thoughts as well. Actually, before I get to my last subject of the day, uh, if I have time, let's go ahead and go to the phones. Hi, welcome to the Joe Cunningham Show. Who am I talking to? Talk with Sheila. I have a different opinion on that yeah. uh, about the election. Yeah. Uh, Nikki Haley's in a federal election for president, and that's a closed primary. Yeah. That's uh, that's a good point. Louisiana doesn't. Yeah, that does not have closed primaries. Mm-hmm. So we're going to be stuck with so many in it, and that's how a Democrat will get in. Yeah. You know, like we've said it time and time again, Republicans are great at snatching defeat from the jaws of victory. And um, right. and you know Billy Nungesser is one of those who has opposed closed primaries in the state. Sharon Hewitt too. Uh, they have opposed closed primaries in the state because it to them it closes the pool of people who could vote for them. They think people like that think we can just appeal to the other side without remembering just how divided we are in a partisan manner. And you as a Republican, you even if you claim you're conservative, you're not going to get Democrats voting for you. It's just not going to happen in in Louisiana or anywhere. So you're absolutely right. The, the whole open versus closed primary thing is another aspect of that. Yep, that's, what, that's my opinion on it. Well, Sheila, thank you very much for the call. Appreciate it. Okay. 232-1542. Got some time if you want to call in. But I, I do want to get to this one story. I just wrote this. It's up at uh, kpl965.com. There was a town hall meeting last night. Uh, residents of the north side are opposed to a Lafayette Consolidated Government proposal to build a new jailhouse just off West Willow Street. And they are opposed to that uh, for, you know, really, I think, good community reasons. Um, the community leaders kind of spoke. If you if you read the media reports and everything, community leaders and, and read their quotes, they, they were all, you know, we're 
they're they're actively trying to uh, to culturally and socially fix the issues within the North Side. Um, they're they're trying to stop a lot of the criminal issues, a lot a lot of those issues that a lot of people kind of look down on the North Side part of the parish for. And bringing in a jailhouse just kind of reinforces that image. And they're trying, they're trying very hard to create a pipeline of success for, their stu- for the students of that area, for their kids to go to school, get an education, and then go out and be successful. And when you have just this image of, of high crime, this, this jailhouse in their community, I mean, no community is going to be excited for a jail to be built within their borders. But I think this particular argument is one that I think LCG should take seriously. And I know community leaders are really working hard in the North. So I, I taught there, I've, I've taught a lot of kids who live in that area, very sympathetic to, to what they're saying and what they're going through. And so I hope that, that this discussion can continue going onward. All right. That's it for me for the day. If you uh, want to chat, uh, Twitter.com uh, at Joe P. Cunningham. You can follow me there. Facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show. Substack, Joe Cunningham Show. Substack.com. Check me out there. You know, Shannon is offsides next here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. In the meantime, I'm going to be back in 23 hours. Talk to you guys again soon.